0: That's in the air. This could the out. Clavins underneath it. Will he catch it? He's got good hands. He's got him. yet he has. David's got him in the deep. Having fumbled all night, he's taken the big one. And went wild in the air. It went wild. That was a good catch. Coach Talk.
1: Hello and welcome to Coach Talk. Today's guest is former South African batsman, Ashul Prince. He talks about playing cricket in the apartheid era South Africa, the quarter system, his career, the controversy surrounding the time he was given the captaincy and he refusing it, being dropped from the team, and the toughest bowlers he faced, amongst other things. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I want to start with uh, when you were a kid. You know, you grew up in the apartheid era. You were 13 in 1990. Growing up in that era, what made you even choose cricket as a sport to play?
2: Look, I think, um, you know, people... Um might have a misconception of sport of cricket in South Africa as a sport that it was only a white person sport um you know I think that might be a misconception around the world. Cricket has been played in in my com- community where I grew up or oh, from the time I opened my eyes, cricket was there, and way before I opened my eyes before I was born, cricket was played in our communities you know so um where I grew up in Port elizabeth um you know, there's a rich culture of the game, and that mm-hmm. that has been there in our communities. is It's not just from um, after the country united in two thousand in nineteen ninety four that that we started playing cricket. You know, we started playing cricket long time, and there's a rich history in uh, non-white cricket, if you like. Mm-hmm. Post that,
1: whenever you know, th- there is this uh, quota system that is always raised as the reason why a non-white player might be included. Because if a white player is included, nobody ever questions the motives behind it. They immediately assume that it must be because of talent and skill, whereas a non-white player is chosen. Then people tend to assume it's because of the quota system. What's your thought on that?
2: Yeah, look, I think at, um, you know, in the initial years, that was always an issue. Um, but I think, as you can see, the performances now of, of the current players who are there, um, Hashim Amla being the captain of the test team, Fernand Philander probably um, one of the top three scene bowlers in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and other names like J.P. Dumani who has represented the country uh, well so far in his career, and obviously people like and Antini, um, who was right there to start. So, look, um, yes, there were those people who were always questioning um, non-white players' um, selections, and I suppose there will always be that situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it's going to take before <laughs> uh, that will go away, but, the, you know, the only way um, to sort of silence, not, not really silence those crit- the critics, but to prove your your worth to the team or to the countries by going out there and, and producing the results, which these guys are doing at the moment.
1: Hmm. Uh, I want to continue on the topic a little bit more. Um, you know, with the quota system in place, some might say that when it comes to the national team, it should strictly be on merit and there is no role for quota system. However, I, you know, it's not a level playing field because the facilities and the backgrounds of the players of different races, it doesn't even compare. You know, some kids growing up playing cricket in South Africa may have the best uh, cricketing schools close to them in the community, whereas somebody else is from a disadvantaged background, historically and racially and socially, uh, may not have the same opportunities. It's not a level-playing field. So do you see a role for the quota system in South Africa?
2: Look, I mean, it's a, it's a sensitive subject. Um, it goes without saying that some people um, in this country grow up in vastly different and more challenging circumstances
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, than others do you mm-hmm. know i'm I'm fortunate to be privileged at the moment to to live where I live because of what the game has given me and so my children are able to go to some of the top schools in the country whereas i haven't been, i haven't been able to have that uh, mm-hmm in 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 my uh, for my own um, youth, but um having said that, you know I wouldn't change my youth for anything I mean what we had back then is what we had, and we made the most of it and whatever challenges were there, we uh, tried to overcome that you know so yes, like I say, there are more privileges now, or like I say, my children are able to go to some of the best schools, or I can choose wherever I want to send them but um i wouldn't swap my childhood for any other childhood, you know, so uh, like I say, whatever challenges used to face us back in the past, we used to just um, that was uh, where we found ourselves, and we made the most of it you know
1: mm. so what were those experiences as as the young boy growing up playing playing cricket, and you know there comes a deadline in ninety four when it's reintegrated. Uh, South Africa, and what is the what are the experiences as a cricketer in the post ninety four South Africa uh, from your personal experiences?
2: Yeah, look, I mean, post ninety um, four, I was sort of in nineteen ninety four was my last year, my senior year of school, so I um, attended school in you know. So basically, I mean, uh, uh, my whole schooling year was like a part of the older part itself before 94. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, coming into schools cricket at that stage, I think we, my last two years of of schools cricket, we integrated. So in 93 and 94, Mm -hmm. um, we sort of integrated with with the white schools and, you know, we started playing representative cricket as a mixed team Mm -hmm. rather than only non-whites together and whites separated. We started playing as mixed teams so, you know, at the end of the day, um, life is all about opportunity and we knew that, you know, once things changed and once we um, got opportunities to be able to show what we can do,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that it had nothing to do with color of skin. You know, basically, um, what you are capable of doing on the field, or wherever it may be, whether it be in the work and or in school, um, whatever. You know, it, it's got nothing to do with the color of your skin, people. Um, get an opportunity and basically that's all you need in life you need an opportunity to show what you can do mm-hmm. and
1: when you made a debut for South Africa and I'm sure there were voices that questioned the legitimacy of your selection which you went on to you know disprove with your bat so yeah uh, what was what was what were your feelings when you know when you score those big hundreds and you show that you are there because of your cricket?
2: Rather than anything else. Look at the end of the day, um, for myself because um, I was more or less, I would call it first first generation of of non white guys to to start making my first class debut uh, back in nineteen ninety five. I think it was my first class debut. So I, you know, I would call it. I would say I was first generation breaking into first class cricket and then also into the national team. Although there were other non white guys before me mm-hmm. in the national team. I think of people like um Antini, Herschel Gibbs, mm-hmm. Roger Marcus, Henry Williams, Paul Adams, those type of guys played international cricket before me. So um but yeah, you're right. I mean in those years there were always questions about selection and um you know, the, whether your your selection was merited, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, where I came from I, and the community that I represented, you know, I only had one thing and one single thing that drove me, and that was to prove that um, people from my community,
0: mm-hmm. given
2: the opportunity, can also shine on, on the biggest stage of the world. So that was my driving Force right throughout my career hmm. to to just um, represent um, where I, where I came from mm-hmm. and to show and to show that people who come from those communities um, can also do whatever hmm. just if they are given an opportunity. Hmm. And um, today, I mean, I my record is nowhere near as good as somebody like Hashim Amla or in Finland, um, but um, I, I think I can at least say that I made a small contribution in, um, in, in <laughs> to the team when I was there.
1: <laughs> You're underplaying it, of course. But you know, <laughs> looking at your player career for South Africa in tests, you played 66 tests, and I'm sure uh, you must think that you deserve to play a lot more than that
2: 66. Uh, what happened? look i think um you know when it comes to um selection and 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 things like that look we we lost the series to sri lanka at home mm-hmm. oh not not the series we we lost we lost the test match against sri lanka which was two test loses in a row but losses in a row because we on the previous series against Australia, we won the first. It was only a two-test series. Yeah, we won the first test, drew, the, uh, lost the second test, Excellent. and then Sri Lanka came, and we lost against Sri Lanka in in Durban. Durban. yeah. And so, I suppose a couple of test losses in a row at home, and somebody had to um, somebody had to make way. So, unfortunately, it's me, you know. So you know a lot of people who who have supported me throughout my career have said maybe it, it was harsh that um on so many occasions that I um bailed the team out of trouble and the team was in trouble and then on mm-hmm. on this occasion when I maybe had maybe three games three games where i didn't have a, a decent performance and you know that's all it took three games of 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 not um not bailing the team out and 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 unfortunately, they didn't bail me out at the time so look i mean that's how it goes you know i've, play, I've played i played sixty six Tests for my country I got no regrets and to be quite honest with you um I'm not missing it at all mm. I'm not missing Test cricket at all I'm oh. not missing um no I'm not, i I enjoy watching and uh you know this is my first week of commentary and I actually enjoyed it in the commentary box. But um, I don't miss playing at all. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Um, You you were a middle-order batsman, but in that uh, test match against Australia on your comeback in 2009, uh, you were made to open, right? You were given the captaincy, but since you didn't have the whole uh, option of where you would bat in the order, um, how did it all pan out? How do you know all these things? <laughs> <laughs> I had to do research, you know.
2: Okay. <laughs> so No, how, how how do you know that I, I, I was given the captaincy, but I didn't have an option to pick where I wanted to bed? Um, how do you know that? Uh,
1: well, uh, you know, I cover cricket here and there. So... I, when I yes. do my research on, before getting a guest on, you know, I, you get to hear about the stories too. So, <laughs> so what was the entire backstory there?
2: No, you've got the story. You've okay. got the story spot on. You, you've got the story spot on. I, I got a, I answered my phone or went through my messages on my phone. And I had a strange message from the convener selected at the time, which was my, um, my proctor. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, um, "I've got good news and bad news." This is while I was listening to the message.
0: Mm.
2: He said, "I've got good news and bad news, and um, the good news is that uh, we want you to play and captain the team, uh, but the bad news is that you have to open the batting." And so, of course, um, of course, I had not been able to take the call. That's why it was a voice message on my phone. So. I called him back and I said, look, I'm obviously happy to be back in the team and I'm um, delighted that you guys are considering me to be captain again because I, I stood in once before to be captain on a previous tour when, when Smith was injured as well. Mm-hmm. So I said I'm delighted to be given the captaincy, et cetera, et cetera. But, however, if I'm going to be the captain of this team, I'm going to bet where I batted for... 40-odd test matches in a row. Uh, before the time I broke my finger, I must have mm-hmm. played about 45 test matches in a row, betting at number five. Mm-hmm. So I said, look, this is the situation. If you're telling me that I'm captain
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I'm telling you I'm betting at number five, because mm-hmm. that's where I've betted and had most my, of my success in test cricket. Yeah. But if you are telling me that I have to open the betting and I can't bet at number five, Then you have to find a different captain. Mm -hmm. So, so basically, that's what's happening there. So, I I was only I was only prepared to be captain on my terms, Mm -hmm. which I which I which I think is fair enough because I don't think any other test captain in the world will be told, "Are you captain? But we're telling you, you have to open the batting." I mean, um, you know test cricket because you. you report on it and you follow it, mm-hmm. and I don't think uh, you will. You will. I think you will agree with me that that I wasn't being unreasonable when I say, if I'm the captain, you know, that I should bet where I want to bet. Hmm. Um, are you with me? Yes, man. Yeah, man. I completely agree. So 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 basically that was the situation, um, and I said, look. However, mm-hmm. if. I can't choose, if I can't bet where I betted most of my career and you're enforcing me to open the betting, mm-hmm. then fine, I will open the betting, but then you have to find a different captain. And so, basically, I think um, Jacques Callas was captain for the test match.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, there was another side story to this, uh, which I've heard, uh, and uh, you can confirm or deny it, whichever way, uh, was that, you know, when this happened, when you were offered the captaincy, but you know, you said they can't dictate to you where you should be batting in the order. And you wanted uh, AB A B D W to open and if you were chosen the captain. But that didn't happen, of course. Carlos was given the captaincy and he made you open. And I, there is a story that, uh, you know, there was a provincial game around that time when you were captaining your side and uh, AB was in the opposition where, you know, uh, you had... Uh, you know, bowlers to go, have a go at uh, AB, and uh, you kept calling him <laughs> the golden boy. How true or not true is that?
2: No, that's not true. I, w- I wasn't telling any of my bowlers to have a go at AB. In fact, I don't think I was even captain of that match either. Okay. I wasn't captain of the Warriors. Um, I would definitely wasn't captain of the Warriors. I, I, <laughs> that I'm sure of. I think Johan Borte was captain of the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And me telling uh, the bowlers to have a go at AB is absolutely a long way from, from you know from the truth. But um, nonetheless, there there were verbals in that match yeah. um, involving various players. Mm-hmm. So you know I, I don't want to I don't want to dwell on that and what was said to who okay. and um, et cetera et cetera. Okay. Um, to come back to to come back to your question about me um, saying AB should open in the test, I basically um, suggested to Mickey Arthur, who was the coach, that mm-hmm. you know wh- why could AB not open the batting, seeing that up to that stage he had opened the batting for um, quite a number of his of his Test matches. I don't know how many Tests he had played by then, but he had opened for quite a number of his Test career. Mm-hmm. And I never opened the batting in in my test career,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so I did suggest that he could open. Um, but the verbal that, that you guys are talking about has <laughs> nothing to do with me suggesting him to open the batting and him not wanting to open or okay. et cetera, et cetera. So, um, okay. fair enough. So uh, yeah, that, uh, that is that is that is that. That one, you that one, you, you, you sort of on the path, but you're not quite on the... <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. That's not quite the 100% on the path. <laughs> uh,
1: well, one day, hopefully, you'll give us uh, the entire story. Um, if not now, if, I mean, if you would like to give the 100% of the story now, that's fine. But uh, otherwise, we'll wait for it whenever it comes out. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so Jacques Al is, is given the captaincy. um and then you are made to open, and of course you score a brilliant hundred, um, you know, huge hundred. Um, so how did you adjust to being an opener
2: in technique? Obviously, I adjusted to being an opener.
1: Yeah, how did you how did you adjust that technique wise and mentally? No, look, I think
2: uh, generally my game was being both around being tight technically. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been. Uh, um, well, <laughs> you guys have only seen my test career, so you guys won't know what, how how I batted when I was nineteen, eighteen, nineteen years old, which is totally, which would be to, 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 totally different people if you mm. look at it. Because when I was eighteen, nineteen years old, I was I was much more of a, of a dasher. Mm. Um, but I soon realized that you know if I was going to play test cricket, um, and if I kept batting that way, I wasn't going to have any um, success in test cricket. So, anyway, um, I was saying my test career and my style of betting was always to be compact mm. and to, um, you know, not to be too extravagant. Um, and so, I think, um, being, a, you know, adjusting to opening the betting, um, you know, that that particular match, um, you know, that it almost felt like it, it, didn't matter to me where I batted in the batting lineup, or you know, if it put me in at number one, three, five, or seven, wherever the case may be. Mm-hmm. That you know, I just had so much of a of a point to prove, and almost almost anger. There was mm-hmm. a lot of anger in me, and I was and I was hurt because I broke my thumb in Australia, mm-hmm. and um, I think at the time when I broke my thumb, I just um, Broken into the top ten batsmen of the world. Correct. And and um, and before I left the tour of Australia with a broken thumb, um, Mickey Arthur was a coach at the time. Was basically, you know, he was standing right in front of me um, as I was leaving the tour. Um, he pulled me aside actually and said, "Look, you know, you've been one of the guys to form the backbone of this batting lineup in this team." And you know, as soon as your thumb is ready to play, mm. I can guarantee you that when you get home and it's, and because Australia came straight back to South Africa after after the the series in Australia, Correct. they came straight to South Africa. So Mickey basically said, you know, I can guarantee you when your thumb is ready that you'll get your place back to play. And and that is that had been the precedent that had been set with other with other players that had gotten injured. Yeah, you know. Um, the precedent had been set when players got injured, and if they were established players in the team, you know, once they got fit again, they would get their place back. So anyway, um, you know, we came back to South Africa. Mm-hmm. I was fit for the ter- for the first test, and obviously, I mean, selected everybody was under pressure because JP Domeny basically, you know, he he put the ball in their court because yeah. he, he was outstanding in the tour of of Australia and um you know if if i was a selector i wouldn't have left jp out myself you know what i'm saying i wouldn't have left him out because you can't leave somebody like that out uh, mm-hmm. after a series like that so but nonetheless the following up series i still believe that there was an opportunity to to um to play both jp and myself in the same team you know mm-hmm. but um <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I will give too much away if I keep going on that route. But that that would have meant that AB de Villiers had to keep wicket. Yes. Now, so you can understand, hmm. um, so you can you can follow me a little bit. So basically, AB yeah. would have had to keep wicket. Yeah. For 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 both JP and myself to be in the team. Yes. And so, um, so
1: of, course. of course, we
2: all know. Of course, we all know now that AB didn't keep wicket, and I was left out of the team.
1: Yeah. And... So
2: anyway, um, when we when we got to the third Test match, hmm. um, basically, there uh Kareem Smith was injured, and and I think uh, Neil McKenzie had been, had been left out of the team. So I was op- I was asked to open the batting, and purely, I would say. You know, I would never call myself an opening batsman, so I would, I, I, it was never going to be a long-lasting success for me at opening the batting, but mm-hmm. that game was purely um, that I had so much of a point to prove, mm-hmm. you know, that I, I basically had a lot of anger in me, and I just wanted to go out there and, <laughs> and prove a point and, um, and just basically throw it in the sele- selector's face, really. That's, that's all I wanted to do
1: would i be right in saying that uh, you know if he were to be included then ab were to keep wickets which meant mark boucher would have to be dropped
2: yes so and that couldn't that, happen that, that would have been a, that would have been that could have been a possible solution yes
1: yeah but that couldn't happen based on whatever um, team leadership or whatever you want to call it uh, some people have called but it co- click um, <laughs>
2: No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going down that. I'm not going down that line of clicks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay. The only thing I'm saying, in terms of form, mm-hmm. that's the only thing I'm going to say. Uh, in terms of form, it could have happened. That okay. selection could have happened. Okay, you, are you with me? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So I, I'm talking about. It, it, I'm talking about contribution on form to the team at mm-hmm. the time at that particular time that we're talking about. I'm. I'm talking about. Contribution in terms of form runs on the board. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. I I believe that I was producing my best results of my test career. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, um, you know, if they really wanted to have me in the team, they could have made a way. Hmm. It could have been done. Hmm. But, um, for other reasons that you are alluding to, I'm not, I'm not alluding to that. That is your, that is your opinion. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I was being, uh, I was left out of the team.
1: Okay, all right. Um, in, in your career, playing career, you know, there was this time where Shane won, I think he got you out five out of uh, six innings or so. Uh, but who are, the, <laughs> who, are, who are the toughest bowlers you had to face, it's both spinner and Pacers?
2: Okay. Um, Shane Warning got me out plenty of times. I mean, I remember when I was walking into the to the SCG when I, on 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 it was the third test of the series, and that was also after my test. My debut series was in, in South Africa against Australia, and then I had about uh, I had a few other tests in between, and then soon after that we were playing Australia again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know and yeah it was tough I mean um, Shane Warne is obviously one of the world's greatest spin bowlers and, and I think as a left-hander um, with him bowling into the rough a lot a lot of the times I, I really found it difficult at the start mm. um, but I think the more test matches I played um, the more I developed a, a, a technique at least to survive against him mm. and you know if if um, if the conditions suited, um, or if the conditions was more in my favour rather rather than his favour, for example, the uh, the day that I did get a hundred against him was on day one
0: mm-hmm. and
2: day two, so it was early in the test match, and it was and we batted in the first inning. So, you know, as a young test cricketer, you learn that, um, or as I got more experience, uh, you know, you learn that um, there are times when things against a spin bowler is more in your favor, mm-hmm. and as the game progresses, you know, the spin bowler gets more attacking in the game, and, and the rough starts to develop, and they become uh, a lot more threatening, mm-hmm. and obviously Shane Warne didn't always need the rough, I mean, he was he, he, one of the best of, of that's ever played the game, so it was tough against him up front, but, but um, you and, know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm quite... I'm quite satisfied to be able to say that I I did uh, manage to score 10-100 against him.
1: And in terms of the the toughest pacer?
2: I think the toughest fast bowler um, was not necessarily the fastest guy. I mean, I I feel that generally my technique against the quick bowlers was okay, so Mm -hmm. I was never really threatened by pace. um, But the guy who was obviously um, hard to play was Glenn McGrath because he just Simply, he he just felt under pressure all the time because Mm. he doesn't give you nothing. You know, he gives you no loose balls to hit. You can't, you can't release the pressure, and you Mm -hmm. just always felt under pressure against McGrath. Mm. So I think, um, you know, from from a fast bowler's perspective, probably Glenn McGrath. Mm. Uh,
1: In terms of batsmen or innings that uh, you've been part of, as a fielder or as a you know teammate, so so. Any in yes. innings by a batsman that uh, you're part of that you remember as your favourite.
2: We were playing against. Um, we were playing against the West Indies. Uh, I can't remember what series. It might have gone back to 2005. Mhm. Um. And Brian Lara scored. Um. In in back in back Test matches, I think he scored 190 in the one. So the first test was in Guyana and I don't th- I don't think he made any big score there. Then the second test was in um I think the second test was uh Barb- Barbados. Uh-huh. I think Barbados but anyway, but Brian Lara scored two centuries in two test matches back to back. Um and the, the, those two grounds were Barbados and um and his own ground, Trinidad, in Trinidad. Yeah. And there were 180. I remember in Trinidad, I was fielding in, uh, at at backward point, and we must have had about five guys in the ring on the off side. Probably only had one slip. Mm-hmm. So the fast the seamers would have been bowling with one slip, and we just basically tried to stop them, stop him from scoring. And I was at backward point, and we had a cover. A square I mean a square cover, a normal cover, an extra cover, and the mud off, and he and he was hitting the ball through there was you know like like he was playing like he was playing what like he, like he was like playing the fool with us, you know like <laughs> I, <laughs> so he yeah, like he was toying with us, basically, mm-hmm. he was that good, so for me i mean he he's the best that i. I've played against, you know, Mm. and then um, somebody else um, that really stands out was Sikki Ponting and his 100th match scored essentially in the first and the second innings against us at at Sydney. And that was quite something to watch as well.
1: And last question, Um, you know, you mentioned about that uh, comeback innings and, you know, you played almost in anger and to prove a point to the selectors. But uh, you know, and any innings that you play that contributes to the team to win is always something to remember as fondly. But which of your innings do you you know quickly recall as you know? Yeah, that was I was a, I was playing really well, and the opposition was tough. And so, which innings comes to your mind
2: as your favorite? Um. Look, um, you know, I feel that. Early on in my career, uh, like I mentioned before, at, at Sydney I scored 100 against Australia and I really felt that um, that was sort of my second chance in test cricket. I played, my first chance in test cricket I played about uh, six or seven matches yeah. and I, I didn't really do much. I got I scored a couple of forties and so on and, and then I'd been dropped. And, and then I had another chance in test cricket and um you know we i I scored a hundred against um, Zimbabwe and a hundred against West Indies, but then we went to Australia again and mm. and like I said, I was coming into the third test without a big score against my name and and fortunately enough, I managed to get a hundred in that game and I think had I not scored a hundred in that game, I think that might have been the end of my test career quite uh, quite early on, so mm. I think hundred at um at Sydney coming in at about I think I'm not sure what score it was, but I mean uh we were three down um for maybe less than a hundred or mm-hmm. maybe just more than a hundred, I can't remember. So um I think that particular innings um saved my test career and obviously I could take a lot of confidence away from there, um, knowing that I could score test hundreds against chain one. Um, Glenn McGraw, Brett, Brett Lee, these type of guys, you know, so um, I think coming away from that series, you know, that obviously was satisfying, not just that it was satisfying to get a 100 against them, but also I think at the time they, they dominated World Cricket and, and to be able to go out and score 100 against a team who dominated World Cricket, that gave me confidence to also uh, go out and score hundreds against other teams.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, on that note, Ashwell, thank you so much for being on the show. That's in the air, uh, good. I wish you all were impressed.
2: Thank you so much for having me the
0: show.